This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently, and we get to know them in a different way. And I think it's important to share customer stories with your staff. Money always takes care of itself. Today's guest is Pish Patel. Now, one month ago, I had no idea who Pish Patel was or his company, Digital Tutors. I was at the airport and I noticed this bright orange book that was staring at me from the newsstand. It stood out more than any other book. Now, it wasn't yellow, and we all know I love yellow, but I was good with the orange. So the title in the book said, Lead Your Tribe, Love Your Work. I instantly grabbed it, started going through it, and I was blown away first by the design. Big quotes on the bottom of pages, orange headlines, and I thought, wow, first, this looks easy to read. And I dove in. I read about 30 pages that first time while standing there at a newsstand in the airport. And as the clerk looked at me, I said, I might as well buy this. Bought it, and I finished it on the plane ride home that day. I thought this book was written for me, Peach. It was the playbook of a small business that built an amazing culture and grew the business the right way. The next day, I walked into our president's office, shared the ideas from the book, and later that day, I reached out to you to talk to you on the show. So here we are today. So first, Peach, thank you for sharing your story in the book. Thank you for inspiring me with your ideas and your vision. And thank you for being with us today to go deeper and share your wisdom with our listeners. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is, uh, let me tell you, you just made my whole week. <laughs> well, what an you. amazing week. I'm ready for a great week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am excited to have you on the show. But first, let's give a shout out to you for owning Orange. I want to talk about this a little bit. Now, you go in the book, Orange T-shirts, the book's orange. We try to own yellow. How did you come about trying to own your orange? Well, in the tech world, you know, back in the early 90s, late 90s, it was all about, you know, black and gray or green. And I was like, you know what, we're just going to be outliers. We're, we're going to go with white and orange. And so when we go to a trade show, you know, it's like everybody looks the same. And then you've got this beacon of orange that's just, ah, right? So uh, we became like, oh, you guys are the orange people, right? Just like you're becoming the, or- the yellow people. Um, it's a way to really differentiate to say, hey, we're different. We're not like everybody else. And we want to own something. And orange is the color of creativity and we're a creative company. I love it. So do you have it, um, do you have it all around your offices? I mean, how did you oh, buy yeah. into this? Um, well, I'll tell you a funny story about that. When we moved into our, our previous office, the landlord was like, look, I am not painting anything orange. And I was like, well, but our server room, you know, had a big glass wall. I was like, our server room's kind of our room and we we're paying to have it built. He's like, no orange. And so I just went and bought the orange paint and I gave it to the, the contractor. And I was like, hey, can you just test and see what this looks like? And he put it on the wall, and then I said, hey, if the landlord asks, tell him it's going to cost three times as much to cover it up. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, it. Yeah. I love orange it. furniture, orange big bean bags, uh, you know, orange T-shirts, orange cars. Right? We're into all of that. Oh, I love that. You know, it's, it's amazing how few companies actually embrace colors. They try to be normal and fit in. And you know what's funny? You know, so I wear a yellow tuxedo. I own seven of them. I wear them all the time. And I'll be walking down the street, and people will just chant, go bananas, you know, go bananas, because the name of our team is the Savannah Bananas. They don't, don't not know my name, but they see the color and they That's relate right. it. And I think it's it's just brilliant. And I wish more companies would start owning color. So love how you're doing that. But for the listeners in, who haven't read the book, you know, give us a little SparkNotes version. I love the podcast, How I Built This. Can you give us a SparkNote version on how you built digital tutors into the company that it was that you sold with this for $45 million? 
Well, it was a small project that um, really stemmed out of a, a need. I, I was having a baby on the way with my wife, and I lived across the street from the college that I taught at, and there was just no way I could have them ring my doorbell in the middle of the night because their computer wasn't working. And so I just started recording content and giving it to my students. And the next thing you know, I put it on the internet and it went viral. I mean, viral before, you know, Google or YouTube, it just took off. And really what it was boiled down to was we solved a real customer need. And, you know, we built the business, uh, we 10X'd it by using the culture tools that we talk about in the book. And when we got up to 10 million in revenue, you've got to remember, we did that on a $30,000 annual marketing budget. And what that means is our customers never left. I mean, we solved their problem and we didn't have to beg them to come back. Mm. So, so I want to go back here. So you started just putting content out there on, can you explain that? Like, how did you do that? And what was it actually helping? So we train visual effects artists who work on feature films and really big video games. Mm. That's kind of our sweet spot, right? Not the, we don't do production. We don't do editing. We're really the ones who go in and say, hey, uh, this car license plate needs to be removed because it's a period movie or it's the wrong state or, uh, hey, there's a stop sign we need removed. We we teach people how to do those types of visual effects as well as animation. You know, Pixar is a big client of ours. Disney's a big client. Um, and that's where we really focus. So what I did was I put these videos out on a website and I swear to you, we spent $54 to start this company and I tried to find funding and I tried to get loans and everybody's like, kid, you're crazy. I don't even know what the hell the internet is. And so we, we were like, fine, we're going to bootstrap it. And we bootstrapped it with no investors and no debt. That's amazing. Well, I think a lot of problems happen for companies when they get this influx of cash. They just start spending it. They don't find how to, yeah. you know, outthink. They end up outspending, which doesn't actually right. work. So, no, I love that. And so you built the company, started growing. But, you know, start me up here with, with how you built a great culture because very few people put culture first. They look at revenue, they look at their product, but you realized you had to build the culture. How did that happen? Well, I'm a teacher by heart, right? So I'm a sixth grade science teacher turned college professor turned entrepreneur. And I find myself going, huh, it's really hard to run a tech company in the middle of, of the United States, right? So I'm in Oklahoma City. And retention of talent is going to be probably my biggest challenge. Mm. Uh, money was flowing in. Processes were getting in place. Strategy was in place. Those are all things that are I'm not going to say are not important, super important. But I found that my biggest competitive advantage was my culture mm-hmm. and the people that made up the organization. So how do I help them uh, create a situation where they can really thrive and be creative and solve my problem, right? Which is I'm trying to grow this company. Well, they can't solve my problem if they're not in a safe place to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really that's what we dialed into. We, we learned the hard way, right? I, I got it to a point where I hated coming to the office. Like I really did. I just did not want to come in anymore. Why? Was, why, why was it so tough for you? The core values, A, were not established, right? Mm-hmm. So I talk about this with people that I consult with who tell me, oh, we don't have a culture. I was like, oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> I, I never knew to set one, right? And so I had one. Unfortunately, it didn't align with me. And I had to kind of go on this journey myself of who am I and what, do I, what am I going to stand for? Mm. And that's got to be the company core values. And so I came back and I said, guys, this is what we're going to do. 
and how we're going to treat each other. I don't want to yell at people. I don't want to raise my voice at people. And I sure as hell don't want you guys raising your voices at each other. So respect is important. That's our core value, right? And, uh, and we just went down the list of this is who we are. And then things really started turning around, right? Started loving my work again. I love the people and um, things really started falling into place. So a practical advice here. So basically, you had to come to that realization first. And I think this is interesting because you hear it both ways. Some people say, get your whole group together and come up with what the core values are. But, you know, really, it sounds like for you, it was the founder. And here with our team, you know, I realized, what, you know, why did I build this company? What was it for? And started putting that together. Were you the same way or did you involve your group in developing the core values? You know, I didn't. And and it's primarily because we were a small business, right? At that point, we were 20 people mm-hmm. and um, I was going to be the last one standing. And so I wanted a, wanted the organization as a reflection of me, right? I didn't have a partner. Um, I didn't have investors. So it was really just me. And I, I didn't want to have somebody else dilute what my ultimate goal was going mm. to be. I don't think there's anything wrong with having, you know, a few of your executive team, but really it's hard to not dial in the what's in it for me. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, you, I, you get this a lot. People want the leader to hear what they want them to hear. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of it's built out of self-preservation. And so if, you know, the core value, if, if everybody in your organization is a pathological liar, but your core value is honesty, that's probably not real, right? And, yeah. But you're not going to have anybody on your team go, hey, maybe our core value is pathological lying. We should all just be great liars. Mm. Nobody's going to tell you that. Exactly. No, I think that's great. I think, And I think founders need to have that realization. You, you need to realize why you started the company, what it stands for, and put it down on paper. You can't just yep. talk about it. Put it down on paper because that's when it becomes real. So I love that. And you also mentioned how you drew some inspiration from the classroom. And in your book, you talk about your office hours and the principal's office. Can you share a little bit about those? Oh, man, let me tell you. So office hours, I have it at a local pub. And it's just a chance for people to come and break bread and talk with the leader of the organization, right? I I go for like an hour, hour and a half, have a pint. But it's a chance just to talk, right? And um, sometimes, gosh, 30 people would show up and sometimes two would show up, right? Uh, But it was just a chance to log office hours outside of the office it was on my way home. Like it just always worked out. And it was you called uh, it. It was McNally's Mondays, right? Yeah, the pub was called McNally's, so I call it McNally's Monday. And did you do it every Monday? Was this like committed to? Every Monday, so five thirty. So holding office hours, ironically, outside of the office, because I'm sure you found people were more open to opening up and being real. <clears throat> yep, just having a beer, talking. You know, I'd ask about their family, ask about what's going on at home, catching up, what video games are they playing? And then ultimately they'd say, hey, what do you think about XYZ project? Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, let's talk about that. Uh, you know, they want to know, hey, why did you decide to go this direction? Well, let's talk about that. I love That's that. not going to happen in a boardroom. That's not going to happen in the hallway because it's not intimate, right? Yeah. Well, they say, I heard before like 16% of the uh, best ideas in the workplace come actually in the workplace. And, right. you know, I'm sure some of your best ideas came at McNally's. And, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but also... You didn't pay for people's drinks. It was you were on your own, correct? It was just yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, you know, if it was their first time coming, I'd be like, "Hey, let me grab that first beer for you," right? Okay. Just as a way to kind of set the tone that uh, we appreciate you, you know, 
being bold, right? It's hard to be like, oh, I'm going to go have a hamburger with my boss, right? Mm-hmm. What are they going to say? What are they going to, what's my expectation? And when they get there and it's like, oh, this is just totally chill. Okay. This is cool. <laughs> I love that. And every single owner, president, person in charge of a company can do this. Hold office hours outside of the office. And it doesn't have to be at a pub. It could be at a coffee yeah. spot. It could be pubs sure. sound more fun. That's where I would join you, uh, Peach, but <laughs> it, it could be anywhere. So I love that idea. That's such great practical advice. And the other one that really hit me was the principal's office. Sure. That's right. about that. Well, look, when we were uh, all kids and somebody got called to the principal's office, it was really clear what was about to go down, <laughs> right? There was no like, hey, I wonder if he's getting into the honor roll. Like, no, it was really clear what's about to go down. And what I found was when I would call people into my office, my office became the principal's office. Mm-hmm. And the anxiety level was high. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to get fired today. I'm going to get fired today. And I'm like, hey, how's your project going? Oh, that's all you wanted to talk about? Oh, it's going great. Can I go now? Oh, this is really weird, right? Mm. Uh, and I never wanted to make their office a principal's office where we're going to have very hard, uncomfortable conversations. Mm. So we set up a little office um, that was called the principal's office. And it had a round table. The round table is really um, critical mm. because um, when you use a rectangular table – and you call somebody in your office, you're already taking a stance of dominance, right? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I'm in charge here, and now you sit in that little baby chair, and let me tell you how it works. That's not really getting problems solved, right? That is dictating. So um, we use roundtables, we sit together, and we're going to have what I call an uncomfortable conversation, and that's how you start it off. We're going to have to have an uncomfortable conversation. Oh, that's so smart. Because you want people, like I realize, I always want people to feel comfortable coming into the office, and if you call someone in your office, even whatever people feel uncomfortable, if they know, hey, these uncomfortable conversations are only going to happen in this one place. When you That's ask right. someone to come to your office, they should be feeling positive. I got a funny story about that piece. So we have, obviously, we try to meet, and this is a good point you make in your book, don't just do annual reviews. You need to meet more regularly. And we do one-on-ones, but we do have a few bigger meetings where we talk about their goals for the next year. And our people, we were having it in our stadium club, which is our nice AC place, a little further from the office, about 200 yards from the office. Our staff told us that they would walk the long way because they were so nervous about the meeting that they wouldn't walk directly across the field. They'd walk all the way around because they were nervous. And again, you don't want your people to feel that. You want them to feel safe. So That's right. a brilliant concept. I love it. Now, the overall, now if we're going to go to a new segment, a fun segment, I remember back in the day, Emerald Lagazi and bam, bam, you know, <laughs> all right. So this is the bam round. Bam, bam. And you set up your whole culture with bam. Can That's you explain right. that to the listeners? Look, man, at the end of the day, people get five things out of work. And the bottom two things of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, every company gives it to you. I don't care if you're slinging burgers at McDonald's or you're a a, a senior developer at Facebook. You get two things from every company, and that is your physical needs met and your safety met. And physical needs are you get a paycheck. With that paycheck, you eat. You put a roof over your head. And safety in the modern world is, hey, we're going to give you health insurance and a retirement. Oh, wow. My boss has got my back, right? That's how they uh, equate those. You get that anywhere, right? You could be a greeter at Walmart and you're going to get those two things met. Now, they may not be as good as working out of Google, but you're going to get them met. People don't quit jobs. They quit people. Mm. And they quit people because they don't have the next three things. And we call it BAM. Belonging, affirmation, and meaning. That's all people want. And so if you're not working on that every day, 
then you're totally missing out on a huge opportunity to really grow your business and really grow your culture. Mm. I talked about that in my book, Find Your Yellow Tux. Brian Chesky, he built his whole concept of his culture with Airbnb about belong everywhere. And that's yeah. not only for his customers, but it's for his people, the feeling of belonging. And you know, when you look at a group of people that stays with a company, it's because they feel like they belong. They're a part of something. But how can someone build that? Is there, is there practical ways you can build the belonging aspect? Well, let's think about your fans that come to watch a baseball game, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're going to buy the shirt. They're going to buy the ticket. They're going to buy a beer. They're going to buy the food. And they're going to chant. And they're going to be part of something. But none of them are on the field playing baseball, mm. right? We want to belong to something bigger than ourselves. Mm. And so, you know, some of the strategies around belonging, but you know, it starts off with the uniform, right? If you get pulled over, unfortunately, let's say you get pulled over today and the cop knocks on your window and says driver's license, you don't look at him and go, wait a minute, who are you? Are you really a cop? He's got the uniform, right? And so we hand out the uniform here, have shirts, have jackets, have vests, you know, be part of who we are as a tribe, Mm. because we want you to feel like we're part of this. Mm. And so um, we don't do the annual reviews. We don't do them in secret. We don't do them privately, because we want you to belong to the whole organization. And so... You know, if my kid destroys the bathroom today, I'm not going to wait three months to have, you know. Now, son, remember, in April, you destroyed the bathroom. We (laughs) can't have that happen, and we're going to dock your pay or give you a bonus for cleaning up. It's every day. Like, good job doing that. Man, let's Mm. clean up the bathroom. Mm. A a few things from there that belong. Now, you talk about jerseys, right? Making your own jerseys. That goes really well to us. And I can't think, it's fascinating to me. When the players show up, they have all these unbelievable bananas jerseys, bright yellow ones, green jersey for the first game because it's not quite ripe yet. And they have all these crazy jerseys. Yet our our staff, they get polos. Why do we do jerseys? Yeah, so tell me what you did with that. So, uh, you know, Oklahoma City Thunder is here, and we're huge supporters and fans of the Thunder. Um, and so I did jerseys, but when I did jerseys, the number on the back was the number in the order you were hired. Ooh. So when, you know, my number one hire, her name is Tanya, um, let me tell you, that's like a senior senior jersey to wear, right? Wow. I love that. And then so how, how many employees did you get to? I got to 42 full-time and... 500 contractors all around the world. Okay. Now, did number 42 feel bad about it? I mean, like, out of curiosity, I don't want to say that like, everyone deserves a medal, but how does someone feel that they're like the last number? Well, let's think about that. Um, have, have you earned that one number one spot? <laughs> you haven't, right? Yeah, exactly. And so we have to create this culture that, yes, you are part of our tribe. You're a new member of our tribe, but here are our elders, right? And and I don't know, Jesse, if, you know, my, my heritage is uh, my parents are from India. I don't know if it's that kind of familial thing that I wanted to bring to the organization. But, you know, when we're talking about belonging, we want you to be part of it. But we also need to know that there's a strata of people who've really put their time and loyalty in. Mm. And we want to recognize that, mm. you know, I do when I do Christmas presents at the end of the year. I sit everybody in the order in which they were hired mm. and I do a spread, right? So I just allocate, hey, I'm going to spend 20 grand on Christmas presents. And then I just do the math and do a quick division. So the new guy is going to get a $100 gift and it will go all the way around until the number one person gets a $3,000 gift. Mm. I love that. And, and what I want the new guy to see is, man, if I just stick around with these folks, I'm going to be there. 
Oh, right. That's so it's almost like I was thinking about this with business. You know, everyone in karate back in the day, they're fighting to get to that black belt and they keep having these new honors. You go, you go to, you go to orange, yellow, you go to brown, you go to blue, you go all these different colors rising up. Is that kind of how you built it? Or are there any other similarities to that type of culture? Because I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's a very open, transparent look. I, this is how I move up. You know, we were a very flat organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want to be the hub of it, right? So it was, you need to solve your own problems, but here's who you can go ask who's been here a while. Mm. No, that's brilliant. Now, I saw actually one team, piece puts banners. You know, when you win a championship at like an arena, like the Oklahoma City Thunder, they have a banners hanging up. They put banners in the office of their people with the logo and their position yeah. and what year they started. And the that's big, awesome. And so I thought that was a pretty cool concept as well. Excellent. All right. So we got belonging. Affirmation. Give us a good example of affirmation. So it's not like, oh, it's three o'clock. Let me run around the office and tell everybody good job and pat them on the head, right? Good job, good job, good job. See you tomorrow at three o'clock, right? That's not affirmation. Affirmation really boils down to people want to know, am, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing a good job for you? And did I screw up, mm-hmm. right? Anytime that somebody screws up, I think it's really important to go have that uncomfortable conversation and let people know, hey, look, whoa, 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 this is not the direction we want to go versus waiting, you know, two weeks and building up that animosity. And it's like, oh, God, this is just not working. This person's an idiot. They got to go, right? It's like, I never told them we were doing the wrong thing. So, um, affirmation boils that way. Now, look, people like to be publicly affirmed. People like to be affirmed in private. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to really dial into. I use the five uh, love languages at work, mm-hmm. right? It's, uh, it's a version of the five love languages to really figure out this person loves public praise and this person likes it in private. Um, I make it a habit to write them a card on their anniversary, mm-hmm. their work anniversary, their birthday. And I handwrite uh, their Christmas cards and, um, you know, any kind of life moments. You know, what's what's a $50 gift card if they bought a new house, right? That's yeah. exciting. I helped 100%. them buy a new house. Yeah. How cool is that, right? Well, it's about knowing your people and really understanding right. them. A lot of people, they treat them as, as a hire. They're just working for them. But as a leader, I think, Peace, you understand and very few people do. You work for your people. They don't work for you. It's the other way around uh, sometimes. Absolutely. That's my main job, right? Oh, I love that. Okay. And then affirmation, too. Also, the three happies, if you want to briefly mention that. Yeah. So um, the three happies encompasses all of BAM. And look, I can't run around every day checking in on people. I just can't, right? 42 people is a lot of people. And and I've got a busy schedule myself. So we developed this thought of how, how do we help people determine themselves what creates BAM? Mm. And so Look, man, this thing costs maybe 20 bucks a month, if that, right? Um, at 9 o'clock every morning, the entire team of 42 people, you know, they're broken down into small teams of five or six. They sit down with a notepad, uh, a post-it notepad, and they put five things on there. They put their name in the top left corner, the date in the top right corner, and then two things at work that made them happy in the past 24 hours. And one thing personally that made them happy in the past 24 hours. Now, this is a really simple process. It, what, what gets hard is after the, the second week, people die off. It's like, oh, okay, it's, we got to get back to work. No, commit to doing it for 30 days. It will change your business. Mm-hmm. Like deadlines, you know, what deadlines, right? <laughs> uh, customer unhappiness, what unhappiness? It's Because here's what happens. So you may put on there um, – 
hey, I got my podcast done. And uh, that's one work happy. Second work happy, we signed a new player. And then your personal happy is I found a new restaurant. Mm. Okay. Now we post those up in a public area where customers can't see, but the staff can all see. And that was near the bathroom for us. <laughs> what happens is people walk by and they look and they're like, oh man, hey, Jesse found a new restaurant. When I see him next, I'm going to ask him, hey, Jesse. What's that restaurant that you found? Mm, I love it. So it's how people can get to know their peers oh. even better as well. And yeah, Absolutely. I love it. Oh, that's Absolutely. great. All right. And now quickly, one on. You just, on, told, me. You just a, told me what creates BAM for you. What's that? You By filling out these three things, yeah. you intimately told me mm. this is what's important to me. Ah, yes. In a fun way. I love it. In a fun way. Yeah. And then finally, what about one other practical example for meaning? Well, meaning is a really tough one. Yeah. And, um, you know, everybody wants their work to mean something. doesn't matter if you're the person answering the phone or you're the head, you know, of the, of the organization. You want whatever you're working on to mean something. And I think as a leader, we have to focus on bringing meaning to the audience that in our audience would be our staff, right? Mm. I mean, that's what they're there for. They want to be part of something. And so I can tell you a story. I had a young man uh, who worked for us, had a, you know, minimum wage, just slightly over minimum wage job. He was a student, part-time worker. And we, we adjusted the pipeline to where he was really going to get some practical knowledge out of this. So when I would give a tour to people, I made it a point to pause at his desk introduce him and say, look, this place wouldn't run. Like our production pipeline doesn't work without this guy's effort. Mm -hmm. And um, let me tell you, that's huge, right? To hear from the leader of the organization that what you do matters. Uh, And I think it's important to share customer stories with your staff, right? Like Mm -hmm. here's the impact we are making because it's so easy to get into the just, you know, the day to day of uh, just, I go do my job. I stock the shelves. I do whatever. Mm -hmm. But when you start to share like, Hey, this is the impact you're making on people. That's huge. Mm. You know, every every week we read emails that we get from customers or from fans. And then what we do at every game, at the end of the game, we bring the whole staff together and we call them fans first moments. And everyone goes around and shares some of the stories they get from fans and the impact because you, you can never do enough of that. And I think no, that's awesome. And, you know, I think another thing, too, which we've realized we have all millennials and I'm sure you had some young people working for you as well. And yep. as soon as their parents come to one of our games or come to the office, I personally, my wife and our president spends time with the parents and just tell the parents how proud they should be of what their son and daughter is doing because what we've seen, that makes a huge impact. And sometimes we even do it in front of you know, the person who works for us, telling parents, because especially think about the millennials, everyone wants to feel, make their parents proud. Absolutely. I did something I did something similar when we when we would give raises, right? So I, yeah. I quit giving raises at the office. Like it's just like, I would expect fireworks and cheerleaders and nothing would happen. Right? <laughs> I'm like, you know, that's a lot of money, $10,000 raise. It's like, you're not jumping up and down. And they're like, no, can I go back to work? And it's like, ah. So I changed it up and I was like, okay, I'm going to take you and your significant other out to dinner. Mm. And let's, I'm, I'm not even going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to your partner and I'm going to tell them, we understand we're sharing you. And we're, we're sharing your person at home. And I know they think about this stuff at home and they talk about it. And you're probably sick of talking about it. But we can't do what we do without this person. And so we're going to give your family a raise. Oh, that's and awesome. let me tell you, when you're like, I don't want to go to work, 
your significant other is like, get out of bed. <laughs> oh, that's so important. We, we've taken our, our staff on two cruises recently. We make sure that they bring someone and either a significant other, a best friend, a family member, um, because I think it's so important for them to share that with them because you're right. They are sharing them and they're there right. for them during tough challenges. You need to recognize them. And Pisha Quick, great. Have you heard of John Rulin? I have not. John Rulin, the author of Giftology. He, oh, uh, yes. Yes, yes, John. He spends over $350,000 on gifts a year. And for a huge percentage of those gifts, he sends them to the spouses and significant others, not to the person that he's directly working with because of that impact, which I thought was fascinating. So That's right. I uh, love it. All right, we're going to go into a fun game, go back into culture. Our first game, Truth and Dare. Are you ready? Just do it. I'm ready. All right. Now, I normally have people sing. I have them actually do celebrity impersonations. But I'm going to go a little different with you here, Peach, okay? Okay. Before some of our games, we do what we call the Bananas Barnyard, where we actually bring 10 people on the field, and we have fans suggest different animals, and they have to act out and make noises like those animals. Now, you as a leader of your staff, if you were to describe yourself as one animal, what would it be, and, and I guess the dare is, to make that noise and act like that animal right here on Business Done Differently? Okay. Wow. Um, well, sometimes I act like an ass, so maybe I'm just a jackass. <laughs> 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 Were you re- All right. If this, this is great. This is the first time we've ever had someone call themselves a jackass on the show and act uh. it out. So, um, I, you know what I'll give you right there? Pish, that is the biggest form of humility I've ever seen. I always say I'm the most humble person I know. And uh, you just showed some uh, serious humility right there. So <laughs> we'll, we'll let you get off of the hook on that one. So let's, go, awesome. let's go to a truth, uh, okay. truth here. What's something you believed in business starting out that you no longer believe? That uh, money is everything. Mm. So when you, were, when you were coming up, you believed that the, your whole goal was money? Oh, yeah, that's it. That's your measure of winning. And the what I started to do is I stopped focusing on this constant discussion of where are we and what's our margin? Where are we? What's our margin to, hey, are we doing the right thing? Are we taking care of our customers? Right? Do you have everything you need to take care of your customer? And do you have everything you need to be productive and 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 guess what? Everything else started falling into place. Money always takes care of itself. And I wish, I wish as much as you bang down across the heads of entrepreneurs and business owners, sometimes it just takes forever to, for them to get it. Or they need to hit rock bottom and realize right. that. So, All right. Let's go to a couple minutes here. So mentor minute. Have you had a mentor in your life that's guided you to success? And how so? I have had a huge batch of mentors. I'm a member of um, Entrepreneurs Organization, mm. and uh, my form group, you know, are, is my therapy group. <laughs> and, and so, when did you first develop this? How did you know? A lot of people, I think, are scared to jump into that field and get help. How, how and well, when did you do yeah. that? Well, I uh, I did it early on, like ten years ago. Um, it was one of those things where. You know, it's lonely being at the top, right? Nobody, nobody wants to tell you the truth. Nobody, you know, and, and you can't act like, oh, I don't have my stuff together because you're supposed to have your stuff together. And, um, and I think what you said earlier, humility is a huge piece of it, right? I think, mm-hmm. look, entrepreneurs, we're, we're a little delusional and narcissistic and overconfident, but we got to be. Otherwise, nobody would believe that we really have no idea what we're doing, 100%. right? We're trying to make it up as we go. Um, and so that's why I said, you know, sometimes I can act like a jackass because I think I know where I want to go, but I really have no idea. I'm just no. kind of trying to 
figure it out as we go, right? You know, I released that the other day, embrace the uncertainty. When someone says, you know, this is what's going to happen in a year, two years, three years, nobody knows, you know, (laughs) embrace the uncertainty, enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. And it sounds like you've done a tremendous job of that. So I want to jump now into marketing minute. You know, if you could simplify one of the best things you've done to grow your brand, and I think I know where you're going to go with this, what would you say it would be? Um, I, I believe in cult marketing, cult marketing, which is the power of a recommendation is way more valuable than any ad I can buy. Mm. So, so how do you having friends, that? having friends share this, like we would do limited edition things like, Hey, we're only going to invite 200 people. Uh, you get to invite three. Wow. I get to invite three of the 200. Uh, I'm, I'm part of something special. Mm. And so it's really about creating um, a network where people can can recommend you versus begging people to come and, and buy. Oh, I love that. I love that. Oh, that's great. All right. How about now? Simple life. I, I, I'm obsessed with keeping it simple. Obviously, you had some great acronyms with BAM. You know, Steve Jobs said, if you keep it simple, you can move mountains. What's something you've done to simplify your business and life? So I'm a big believer in that as well, right? If you don't tie your tennis shoes correctly or basketball shoes, you can't get on the court and play, right? I'm a, I'm a believer in all of that. So for us, um, I simplify my life by not micromanaging. Mm-hmm. And uh, we plan two weeks at a time. Everybody tells me how long their work is going to take. And then I say, ready, set, go. And I'll see you in two weeks, right? Like you're an adult. You know how long this is going to take. And my job is to help coach uh, your ability to predict and um, estimate. Mm, I love that. Empowering and coaching. Love it. Beautiful. All right. Before we get to the ninth thing, some fun segments, I got to go right back into culture for a second. A few things that I loved. Uh, if you remember, there was a song back in the 90s from a band called The New Radicals, and it was You Get What You Give. And it's obvious you are a giver. You know, these rock star road trips. And now also, that's amazing. Can you share a little bit about that? And also, did you do profit sharing? Because I know at the end, you shared a lot of the profit. Can you share a little bit of that? Because I feel like you really were a giver as you were building the business. Well, I, I, I think shared experiences bond people. Mm. And um, that for kids, that's time on the playground, right? You can remember those times when you were a kid playing on the playground and you know those kids. And then the kids you didn't play with, you don't really remember their names, right? So that shared experience for us, our playground, we call them rock star road trips. Uh, every other year, we would uh, load everybody up in, either in a plane or a bus, and we would pick a city and we would just go own it. Uh, we did <laughs> Vegas for 24 hours. Like, I mean, we literally left at like four in the afternoon and we got back at four in the afternoon. Oh, and it was, you know, uh, backstage at a show and amazing dinner and nightclub and you know, the whole nine yards, just so everybody had one experience that they could share together. Mm. Um, uh, so yeah. And then, you know, we never really set up a profit sharing. We tried to take care of our employees really well, but when we sold the business, um, my wife and I were like, look, we want to give something back to our community and to our employees. And so we shared that with them. Mm -hmm. We, we didn't have to, they didn't own it legally. Uh, we just felt like it was the right thing to do. Oh, that's amazing. I think experiences, that's a big thing. We can get from this. You know, there's the customer experience, but there's the employee experience. And you know, sharing those bonds, those stories, that's the fabric of your culture. So spending 24 hours in Vegas sounds extremely dangerous, Peach, and I'm glad you guys survived, but I'm sure people were talking about it for many days and probably still talking about it. 
Yeah. So every that. new hire, we do this exercise where on your first day, you're given a simple spreadsheet with everybody's name and then three questions to ask everybody in the company. Mm. What's their favorite memory? What's their favorite movie or food? Depends on who's putting this one together. And the last one is why do you come to work? And in one afternoon, they can get 42 people to share historical major moments. Let me tell you, these Rockstar Road Trips are on there or the release of a major product that we worked on. Or, um, and then the reason why they come to work is almost unanimously the people. And so when you go home that day, it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be part of something huge. Yes. Right. And, and most, look at all these cool stories. I want to be part of those stories. And most companies get the, that onboarding so wrong. You know, they hand on the HR, and you also do, which I got from you, the, the two-week gift uh, prior, which sounded amazing. Briefly share that. Yeah, so you're going to get this huge box in the mail two weeks before your start date, mm-hmm. and it's going to have shirts and all your paperwork, all your legal, you know, W whatever's paperwork. Um, you're going to get a book about your team and what we do. And here's pictures from our road trips. Um, but one of the most important things that we include is an orange picture frame. And that orange picture frame has a note that says, bring a picture of a loved one with you on your first day. Mm-hmm. Because the first day is typically one of the most stressful days for a new hire. And when they look over and they see their loved one, it's like, Okay, this is why I'm doing this. Mm, I love that. And picture frames these days, obviously, they're probably not selling as well as they used to. And there's <laughs> there's such an iconic thing that you think about. Those are memories. Those are what matters. I mean, you talk about bam, belonging, affirmation, and meaning. Having that photo frame makes such a difference. Every company should be doing this. Yep, it's oh. easy. What's it cost? Nothing <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Nothing, right? Yeah. I love that. We're actually looking at with all of our groups that come out to the ballpark. And we're so fortunate that we're able to sell out all of our games. But it's because they believe in us. So when they come out to our ballpark, get a great picture of them, all their whole staff, having fun, eating all the all-you-can-eat food, on the field dancing, and give them a frame from that so that they can actually put that into their office in memory. So it goes both That's ways, right. employee experience and the customer experience. That's right. That's it. right. All right. Ninth inning, few fun games here. First, flip the script. You, Peach, are now the host of Business Done Differently. You can ask me any one question. Jesse, why, when you have all these things that you could be a part of and do, did you start this podcast? (laughs) The honest truth is that I wanted to learn more. And I've realized that, a great quote, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to level up and learn from some of the best people, culture, customer experience, marketing, and how I could build those relationships and connections and help with my life and help with our team and the people that I make an impact on. And I think that's one of the biggest things. You talk about humility. I realize that I was my worst enemy, the fact that I wasn't reaching out and learning from people. So um, I focus on the guest. Um, I don't focus too much on the listeners. And I, what's happened is the listeners have really carried this podcast because uh, you know the relationship I'm building with the, the guest has been really special. So thank you for asking that question. That's great. Uh, but again, wh- wh- you know, why do you do anything? I think you know it's everything I treat as an experiment, Pish. And I'm sure you did with this too. I never yeah. know what was going to happen at this podcast. <laughs> it, it's an experiment. And, and That's right. so many people are so scared. They analyze things over and over and over again. Do and then learn. And I'm sure you did that numerous with your business. Yeah, I agree. That's great. All right, question time. If you want better answers in business, you need to ask better questions. What are some of the best questions you're asking right now? I know you're consulting, you're speaking. What questions are you asking people? Uh, Why why do your people work for you? Ooh. 
And that's, I think, a lot of, a lot comes from that. Why are they there? They can work anywhere in the world. Why are they there? I love that. And you're saying most, it's always, the answer usually is the people. It's the people. And that tells you, why do people leave here? Mm, the that. people. It's not the company. It's the people. It's always the people. I love that. Now let's go to service. Because obviously you've delivered great service with your business, but now that's what I call service. What's one of the best service experiences that's really stood out for you? Oh, my goodness. I love Napa Valley. I mean, we own a winery out there, and they have really dialed in service and and making your customer feel special. Uh, I think that's missing from a lot of things. Like, you know, I, I go to Amazon and I buy stuff. I get on Netflix and I watch stuff, and I'm consuming stuff in a non-experiential way mm. uh, that I think organizations like what you guys are doing with the baseball team where you've got this real – uh, visceral experience where people walk away going, that was amazing. I think those are going to be the outliers in the future. Mm. What is one thing either the, the winery in Napa Valley, and you also own a brewery too, right? Yeah, we you're, do. You're speaking my language now. What is, <laughs> what, what is one thing either the brewery or the winery does that stands out from a customer experience? Well, uh, the winery is my social entrepreneur project. Okay. So I actually donate 100% of the revenue from the winery to uh, local nonprofits. So we pick education, kids, and women, and we donate that money to them. And that's, you know, everybody gets to have a great glass of wine, and it goes to a good cause. And, oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah. That, that, that gives BAM all right there for everyone who's a part of that winery. Love it. That's right. Beautiful. All right, last few segments. Tool time. Uh, What's the most important tool you have in your business toolbox? Oh, business toolbox is uh, a, a system we call the GROW model, uh, G-R-O-W, and it stands for goal, reality, options, and the last W is like everything. It's like what, will, and when. Hmm. And really what this is, is this is our conflict resolution system. So, you know, if you are supposed to have um, a press release done on Thursday. It's now Friday. And it's easy for me to go, you know what, Jesse just doesn't know how to do press releases. Yeah. Right. Or he's lazy. He just doesn't. He, he's, he's not a team player. It's so easy to kind of put you in a bucket mm. versus having the conversation. So I would pull you aside and say, hey, Jesse, we need to have an uncomfortable conversation. Okay, principal's let's go office. to the principal's office. Yep. <laughs> you sit down and I go, okay, the goal was you were supposed to get this press release out on Thursday. The reality is it's now Friday. And now I'm going to shut up. I'm going to say, Jesse, what are some of our options? Mm. And I'm going to let you take it from there. You can say, well, and you may give me some excuses. And I'll say, I understand, but what options do you have? I, I, the past is the past. And you're going to give me a dozen options, and then I'm just going to ask you, okay, what will you do and when will you have it done by? Mm -hmm. And then you're going to tell me. And now you've owned it. You have owned getting the darn press release out because calling you lazy isn't going to get the press release out. And, and you're having them find solutions, which is key. And what I think about all this is so many times you're mad at your employees, but they don't have clear expectations and don't know exactly what you want. And what I've seen from you, Peach, that every business owner can get better at is you've simplified so many of these things from BAM to grow and now your people can understand it. And for us, we simplified our whole company is called Fans First Entertainment and our mission is Fans First Entertain Always. And everything we do is Fans First. Every business can simplify more and it sounds like that's been a huge key to your success. Uh, I agree. Oh, I love that. All right, final two segments here. We got favorites and then our final four. So quickly, favorites. Okay. What's the favorite part of your morning routine? 
Uh, I have a 31 minute routine that um, <laughs> Warren Rustin taught me, who is, uh, you know, he's got like $7 billion companies. Um, and it goes like this. Minute number one, you put your feet on the floor. You get up out of bed, you put your feet on the floor, and you ask yourself, why am I alive today? <laughs> That's it. One minute, why am I alive today? And then it's three little segments. So 10 minutes of just quiet reflection. You can do that while you go to the bathroom. You don't need to grab your phone. You don't need to get a magazine. Just 10 minutes of reflection. I use the Headspace app um, for 10 minutes. And then the next 10 minutes is – uh, reading and you can read whatever you want, but just start your morning with reading something that you typically wouldn't. And then the last 10 minutes is journaling. And I'll be honest with you, Jesse, I'm not a big journaler. I just, I just don't get turned on by that. Uh, but my dad passed away when I was uh, young and I have a son now. And he said to me, Hey, what would you give to have one page of your father's notes? Mm. And I was like, Oh man, it's not, what would I give? It's what would I, would I not give? Mm. And he said, how about you give your son those daily thoughts of how you love your mom, his mom, how, how you are you know, as a leader, how are you in the community? And so that's really driven me to just take 10 minutes every morning. So that's 31 minutes. And man, I've gotten so much done in 31 minutes that it's like, oh my gosh, I've got a whole day left to do stuff. Oh, I love that. I'll add on that journal. I started that over a year ago and I write every single morning and it's different. I wrote a letter. I have a baby on the way. I wrote a letter to my unborn baby on what I wanted for my baby. You know, I wrote a letter to myself five years later on what I wanted for my life. And so when you do all that, I just can't wait to look back on it in years. And when you write it down, it becomes a reality. There's a great book called Write It Down, Make It Happen. So I love to hear that's part of your, your routine. All right. Yep. Favorite, favorite way to unwind at the end of the day? Ooh, glass of wine or a cold beer. <laughs> love it. All right. If, if it's a beer, what type of beer? And if it's a wine, what type of wine? Oh, you know, in the summertime, I'm a Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, I love it. In the winter, it's Pinots and Cabs. Um, and in the, and year round, you, you, I'm either a, a Mexican lager. I love those. German lagers or IPAs. Hey, good, good news for you right now. Coming out soon, the Savannah Banana Mexican Cerveza Lager. We're actually having oh, the Savannah cool. Banana Mexicans. So we'll see if we can hold some for you, Peach. I love that. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Tough question. I know for all of us who read, but a favorite book that stands out, one that first comes to your mind. Uh, five Dysfunctions of a Team. Ooh, nice. Patrick Lencioni did so well with that. Lencioni, he's amazing. Excellent. All right. Favorite restaurant? Uh, my favorite restaurant is a local restaurant called Mahogany. Uh, and then out of town, it would be ad hoc in Yachtville. Beautiful. All right. And then favorite magic moment, a moment in your life you'll never forget. Uh, the day my son was born. <laughs> That's what I hear. I hear that more than anything. And I can't wait. I'm about a week away right now. So I can't uh, wait. So when this, so, when this so comes when out, happens, I'll have a baby. Well, okay. So Jesse, when that happens, I want you to just have one thought. Uh, prior to your baby being born, I think you have an idea of what love means. Mm-hmm. But once you hold that baby in your hands, you will have a whole new version of what love means. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm excited. Beautiful. All right. Final four here. What have you done to stand out in business and in life? Um, I have stayed true to who I am. Love it. Real and authentic. And if you were to give advice, something different to someone to stand out in business and in life, what would that be? Uh, don't try to be somebody you're not. <laughs> I love it. Be real, be authentic. Final two, best advice you've ever received. Best advice I ever received was uh, from my parents who said, even if people tell you you can't do it, only you can say you can't do it. Mm, 
Love it. And finally, Pish, how do you want to be remembered? Um, I want to be remembered as somebody who went out and changed the world. Wow. Big, deep, bigger than yourself. And I think, my friend, you're doing that with that bright orange book that I saw at the airport just a month ago. You've made an impact on me. You've made an impact on our business. And I know you're making an impact of thousands and hopefully millions of people. So, Pish, it was an honor having you on Business Done Differently. Where can people find out more about this amazing book and what you're doing? Uh, well, you can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, as you did, the airport. Uh, but if you want to connect with me, which I'd love to connect, uh, just like you did, you reached out, um, the website is Lead Love Tribe. And that's the three things that we focus on, .com. Peace. you are doing business differently and making an impact and changing the world. Thanks so much for being on our show and having fun with us. Thank you, Jesse. This is probably one of the funnest interviews I've done all year. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently. Our goal is simple, to inspire you to think different, have fun, and stand out in business and in life. For more ways you can stand out in your business, visit findyouryellowtux.com and you can get the Yellow Tux Handbook for free with the six steps to stand out directly from the Find Your Yellow Tux book. Finally, a big shout out to Podcast Pilot for producing the show and making all the magic happen. For questions, ideas, and feedback, I'd love to hear from you. So shoot a note to jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.